thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. The Real Food Real is a fresh and educational podcast dedicated to your health. We get real on current research, debunk food myths, and educate you on how to just eat real food. Your host, Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist, is one of Australia's leading sports nutritionists, passionate about simplifying nutrition and addicted to coconut lattes, smoothies, and sweet potato. If you love the show, then please leave us a review on iTunes. Share the real food reel with your friends and continue to spread the real food love. Hi team and welcome back to The Real Food Real. Today on the show we are joined by Linda Griperich who is a naturopath and nutritionist and Linda is here to chat all things digestion with us today. Hi Linda and thanks for joining us. Hi Steph, thanks for having me on. It's great to have you here, your first time on the show. So let's start with um, some background information about yourself and what you're up to with your career these days. Yeah, well, I guess uh, credential-wise, I'm a naturopath and nutritionist and also a yin yoga teacher and a bit of a wellness blogger. Um, so how I got to, I guess, where I'm at to keep it really, really brief and um, specific, I deal a lot with gut health, as, as we've, we've spoken about, but in particular, regulating bowel movements and so constipation and also sustainable weight loss. Um, did you want to know a bit of the background of how I got to where I am? or Yeah. Did, did you have a, a personal experience or was it just a passion of yours that led to your studies? Um, I guess, look, growing up, I did have a bout or an, an experience with anorexia and also a bit of depression that, that came with that. And as a result, I'd lost my, my menstrual cycle for about eight years. But during that period of time, where I thought I'd get to a weight that I was going to be really happy at, I was miserable. And as you can imagine, I isolated myself from friends, from society, all that sort of stuff. Um, so I was really quite confused about that whole process. And I really, when I started to just, you know, venture out again and be with people and start to incorporate foods that I had otherwise banned, I really started to understand the power that food had as fuel and information for the body. So I guess that's where my passion came into it, um, being that I really do like to use food as fuel and information um, for the body. And also the constipation side of things. In my previous role, I would travel a lot for work. And every single time I would travel, which is quite common, I would come across constipation. You know, for the first day or so, I'd get really banked up and couldn't understand why. I had a clean diet and you know, I'm a naturopath, I should be all over this. I'd be exercising and doing yoga and moving the body but still, you know, still had these problems and I would collect all these herbs and spices and everything and create teas and all these brews just to get things going. So I became really fascinated in the topic of constipation and then just opened up a can of worms as to what, like how huge the problem is in society and how much people spend on things like laxatives and how a lot of people are just not talking about it because they're quite ashamed. So I guess, you know, my big bigger mission is just to bring something like constipation um, out there and talk about it in a very lighthearted way so that people can really start to seek support and seek help um, when they need it, but also for people to really understand how important it is to to move the bowels regularly. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think you would see this in clinic or with your clients quite a lot, you know, 
you start to talk about the topic of digestion, which you and I know is really important, but people do get quite embarrassed and they perhaps don't feel like um, it should be part of the discussion or they wish it wasn't. <laughs> Whereas when we're talking about optimal health and everyone on the show knows how um, important gut health is and there's obviously a huge connection there, that it is part of the conversation. So I'm glad you're on that mission to, to make it something that we are all comfortable with talking about and recognising the importance of. And you probably notice it yourself in practice that sometimes it takes a few, depending on the person, it takes a few consultations with someone for them to really get honest with their bowel movements. You know, some people are just, yeah, everything's fine. Or and you, when you really dig deep as to, you know, what that looks like to them, what is normal? Are you going once a day? Are you going once a week? You know, what does it look like? And, and people like squirm in their seats in the first couple of sessions until they really start to develop a relationship with you. Um, yeah, so it, it's, it is quite interesting how much people are embarrassed to talk about their pipes and how, how it's working. And, um, yeah, so... So here we are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here we are, back into to gut health. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk more about gut health. Um, we have had a number of amazing podcasts on the show, but just as a nice uh, introduction to the topic, could you give us a summary as, as to why you see the importance and or relevance? Of improving gut health? Yeah, yeah, look, as you as you know and as you've mentioned, you've had a lot of people on talking about gut health, but, you know, in a, in a really brief synopsis, you know, if we do have a healthy gut in the way of, a, you know, a diverse, healthy gut flora, that, that runs through everything like regulating our hormone production, you know, sleep, um, weight management, our mental health, mm you know, appetite, all that sort of stuff. So it's essential for us to to have good, healthy gut function and flora. So, yeah, it, yeah, I don't want to go into it too deeply because I'm sure that you guys have totally dug deep into that with previous guests. Yeah, absolutely, and we'll link those podcasts in the show notes for those that want to learn more about that specifically. But let's talk more about digestion and our bowel movements. I know that's your... That's your fantastic niche. So why do we need to move our bowels regularly? Well, as, as you're aware, that when, we do reg- when we do move our bowels, we're removing waste, we're removing toxins, we're removing hormone byproducts. And why that is important is if we're not doing that, we're recycling those toxins, those hormones, those byproducts, and we're causing inflammation in the bowel, we're causing bacteria overgrowth, and sometimes we're causing things like diverticulitis, which is, you know, basically when we strain, um, for example, we create bowel pockets where food tends to rot and stay in those little pockets and stimulate the growth of bacteria, fungus, you know, parasites, all that sort of stuff. That then, all of that sort of stuff, inflammation in the gut, toxicity in the gut, weakens the gut lining and integrity and, you know, causes something as we all know, as being leaky gut, food, undigested food, proteins, you know, hormones, all those inflammatory toxins pass through that gut wall causing inflammation throughout the body, like systemic inflammation. Immune system reacts to that, causes more inflammation, and then that goes on to, you know, affect 
our other organs, particularly the weakest organs. And so it goes on to affect our overall health. Um, on, a, on a level that people can really understand is that I guess it leads to more chronic inflammatory conditions like problems with the skin, acne, eczema, psoriasis. It can affect our mood. It can affect our hormones like our thyroid health, PCOS, that sort of stuff. Mental health, as I spoke about before, so anxiety, depression, um, all those sorts of things. So, and you know, on a on a more superficial level, bad breath, body odor, all that sort of those sort of toxic signs and symptoms. So those are the main ones, and also a very toxic body um, tends to be one that uh, oxygen is not delivered through. When a body is toxic, um, that our oxygen delivery throughout the body is compromised and a body without oxygen is a very tired and exhausted body so again a tired and exhausted body doesn't eliminate toxins well yeah so it's a vicious cycle isn't it it, it again just to gut health doesn't it again, but again whilst we talk a lot about um gut health what we can add in the way of supplementation and food and all the rest of it but if you don't have the pipes working well you've really got to start working there first yeah yeah, for sure. So before we go in any deeper, what do you class as regular for bowel movements? Yep. So for starters, there's no such thing as normal, I guess, because studies have shown that people go anywhere between, you know, three times a day to three times a week. But what I like to get people in the habit of doing is once a day, now, that's not going to be um, achievable for a lot of people, particularly if they've had sluggish bowels for a while. And it may mean that they're going every day, but it's not complete where people go and they're like, oh, I could go more or I've just had pebble poos and I'm, you know, just not getting it out. Um, so once a day I like to, me personally, I think is the, the ideal um, bowel habits. Yeah, absolutely. And what about the, the other side of that, people that go multiple times? Where do you think it becomes... Um, no longer normal? Yeah, good question. I guess it depends. It really depends on the person. I think if you're going um, beyond three times a day, then I'd probably want to question, I'd, I'd probably have to dig a bit deeper and, and question, you know, what does the, the stool look like? Is there food in the stool? Um, you know, is there a smell to it? Is it dark? Um, you know, are there any sort of other digestive issues going on in the way of cramping and pain? Um, I would probably do a bit of um, stool testing as well just to establish if there is a pathogen present. You know, is there a bacteria causing, you know, um, loose bowel movements or even constipation for that matter? And what's going on with the state of their, their gut flora, their short-chain fatty acids, their lactobacillus, their E. coli, strep, all that sort of stuff. So I'd probably say um, beyond three, I'd probably dig a bit deeper as to what is going on outside of that. Um, but if they're going, say, twice a day and, you know, there's no straining, I mean, there's no pain, there's nothing associated with that, like bloating or, you know, excessive belching and gas and that, then I'd probably go, well, that's not too bad. That's, you know, a very lucky and rare person that has that, you know. Um, yeah, and do you use the Bristol stool start or stool chart or something similar to to I guess identify what is normal? Yeah, I mean that's a good great chart. Um, have you you know Diane Sampolipo? Yeah, hers is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, she's I love that. And again, it's just bringing lightness to it. She's yeah. got 
and she's got, um, if anyone wants to check it out, I think it's in her, what's her book, her paleo? Practical paleo, yeah. Practical paleo. She's got a chart in there that's called the, the poop pageant and she talks about the different types of poop um, in a really humorous way and, you know, what to look for and what's your ideal poo and, you know, um, it, it just sticks in your head otherwise. But I guess the biggest thing is for people to just um, get familiar with their poo. They don't need to get obsessed with it and look at it every single day. But if you're looking at it once a week and just looking for any changes, changes in colour, changes in texture, you know, is there any food in there? Is it floating? Is it sinking? Is it dark? Is it light? Like all those things, changes really alert you to what's going on inside the body. You know, do you need to look at that a bit deeper? Um, what can I change in my diet? Am I breaking down foods at well? Yeah, absolutely. So the Practical Paleo Guide to Your Poop, the the poop pageant will be in the show notes, team. So check that out if you're not sure how to sort of start to identify your own digestive habits. Um, but what about um, testing? Do you use stool testing with your clients? Oh, always. Yes. Absolutely, definitely. It can really take the guesswork out of what's going on for someone. Yeah. Um, and again, it's, I don't just get excited about, okay, is there a pathogen present? I look at, you know, what is the state of their gut flora? So I guess the, the treatment protocol would be very different in both of those situations. If, if someone's coming to me um, and I've done a stool test on them and they've got blasto, then I'd go a different route of eradicating that particular pathogen before I then moved on to, you know, really looking at gut repair and going hard in that direction. But if, if they didn't have anything present in the way of a pathogen and then it, they just had really disrupted gut flora and out of balance sort of gut flora, then I really work hard at, um, you know, looking at dietary support there but also supplementation where necessary. So it saves people money long-term, I think. Even though there is an initial cost to a stool test, you could save the money of, okay, being put on a, a detox um, regime when maybe that's not the route that you need to go down, you know? I totally agree with you. And testing's really interesting. As you say, tests don't guess. And I have plenty, or not plenty, that's an exaggeration, but I have seen people who appear to eat really well, they do all their gut health supplements, and then the test comes out and they've got, no lactobacillus, which we yeah. know is, you know, th- th- very dangerous really long-term. And if you didn't know that, you would just keep taking the same probiotic thinking that that was enough and that you, you did have a good balance of bacteria. Is that something that you've seen? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this is the thing though, and, and as you're, you're probably very aware because I know you've had a you know, some mindset stuff as well in your um, podcast mm. is that it's not just what we eat um, that affects the state of our gut, you know. Our gut communicates with the brain. There's that brain, that gut-brain access going on and, you know, stress can really disrupt gut function as well and cause inflammation and a whole host of issues. And so even though you might have a really fantastic diet, and, you know, appear to have a very good lifestyle in the way of exercise and everything, Those other emo- that emotional component can really affect the state of our gut flora as well. And yeah. sometimes just your environment, right? So that those, all those things can be a little bit, our environmental toxins can really start to affect things like gut health. Oh, absolutely. And people always say to me, oh, why isn't my gut health self-regulated? But it's obviously a lot to do with where we are today with, Things like, you know, history of pharmaceuticals, antibiotics, the pill, 
then Absolutely. there's the toxins that we're exposed to in our food and our chemicals, obviously the environment that we live in, particularly if we are in a capital city, and there's so much more to it. So definitely. I think that's a, a great point. What you say about the mood, though, I, I I think the conversation is usually had the other way. Like if you have poor gut health, that can be uh, affecting your mood or it can be seen in things like depression and so on. But yeah. what you just said was the reverse, right? Yeah. Oh, look, it goes both ways, doesn't mm. it? It's the communication between them both, the gut and the brain, you know, Um and, and, you know, our, our gut flora as well, again, you know, yes, this goes back to how the gut can affect the brain. It affects that HPA axis, that hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, which is essentially our stress response. Mm. It also affects our digestion, you know, emotions, sexuality, all that sort of stuff. Um, but, you know, stress, because then stress can lead to poor sleep, um, all those sorts of things that then disrupt gut function. Again, it, it can affect our serotonin levels. And our serotonin outside of being that the hormone that's great for mood and emotion and all the rest of it, serotonin really supports um, peristaltic movement, movement in the gut, which means that it supports gut bowel, regular bowel habits and regular bowel movement. So, you know, um, it's not just one way of being. I mean, otherwise it would just be really easy. You know, our life as practitioners would be really easy to just be, a, a, you know, a a basic formula for, for, for diet um, for people that will really support gut health and mood health and everything else. But I think they just all, you know, you need to kind of look at what's going on for the person and, you know, uh, you need to obviously dive a bit deep into emotionally what's going on for them too. I know in um, because I do yin yoga um, and we look a lot at the Chinese, the Chinese sort of medicine aspect of that where, the large intestine and its partner organ is the lungs. The large intestine is, you know, when we think of it emotionally, it's the seat of um, us holding on to things. It's our, it's our garbage collector. We hold on to, to stuff and literally we hold on to shit. And so if someone's constipated, you know, what are they holding on to emotionally? But also the lung, which is its partner organ, um, when it's out of balance, it's about grief and not being able to express yourself. And so... You know, you've got to look at those things as well, the emotional component of why people are holding on, why aren't they moving their bowels, how is that affecting their gut, you know. I know we find particularly um, stress, you know, I've got a good diet, I exercise, all the rest of it, I get sunshine, you know, social interaction, all that sort of stuff. But when I'm stressed, I tend to hold on too, which is why I've been obsessed with the whole, you know, bowel movement side of things. It's like, right, I should have this in the bag, but when I'm stressed and I'm running out the door and I don't have a routine going on and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm letting overwhelm take over, my digestion is really compromised at those times. So Yeah, that's a great point. And we see that a lot with the stress conversation because – Someone might appear to be doing everything in, in the building blocks, like you say, the food and the training and even if they are doing some sort of yoga or mindfulness, it's how they set up their whole day and how they respond to stresses and that's very much that flow and effect to bowel movements. Yeah, and how they're breathing, you mm. know. Is it shallow breath that's happening for them? You know, do they need to spend, you know, five minutes in the morning doing a bit of breath work? Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Does. You know, that's what I've tried to, it sounds like your, but. 
you've got some experience with that yourself. Oh, right? no, just everyone needs to be doing breath work. You know, we talk about stress and stress management all the time, but I just feel like it's, and I'm guilty of it as well, it's the first thing that falls off the list when you're trying to prioritise. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. So if you can factor in three to five minutes in the morning, you know, it's a good start. Yeah, absolutely. So your comment at the start you made about your own personal experience with travelling and how you always found that first day things were quite sluggish. Do you think that's related to stress or is it something else that affects our bowel movements when we travel? Oh, look, there's a few things. I think you're you're definitely taken out of your own environment, so you're taken out of um, your routine and that may mean, you know, you don't have control over what you're actually eating often, you know, when it comes to plain food which may be devoid of things like, you know, fibre as as much as we have them at home possibly when we're making it ourselves, you know, possibly inflammatory fats are used. There's also that um, inactivity. So whether you're sitting in a car driving somewhere or you're on a plane, you know, a sedentary lifestyle is not amazing for, for digestion at all, it slows things down. Um, uh, dehydration is huge as well when we travel. So sometimes, you know, our water consumption takes a bit of a nosedive. Um, but even the different, the time zone changes as well. So when we're, our body's ready to go to the bathroom, we might be sleeping. So there's that time, time zone change that changes for people. And to be honest, some people really just suppress the urge to go to the bathroom when they travel, you know. They, whether it's hygiene, the common, common reasons for people not wanting to go to the loo when they're out and about and not in their home environment is that, you know, privacy factor, but also hygiene for some people. People are afraid to use other toilets to do a number two other than their own. So, and often what we find as well is that if people experience things like traveler's diarrhea, they might experience constipation following that. So that's on the other side of it. And, again, I mean, you could go on. There could be multiple reasons, like constipation. There's multiple reasons for someone to be constipated. Another reason when they're travelling is maybe they've contracted something like a pathogen, which can really disrupt gut function, constipation or diarrhoea. So there's multiple reasons. Um, But you're out of your own routine, basically. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about what we can do. I want to talk about routine um, with you because I'm sensing that's something you find to be really important. But before we do, let's speak about nutrition and and what you see the role is and what we can do to support healthy bowel habits. Yeah, look, there's, there's a few key things and these are probably really, really obvious when it comes to constipation. We hear about them all the time. So ensuring that, you know, we are getting enough fibre. So fibre does many things in the body. It, it feeds our good flora. So it ensures that we do have a healthy balance of gut flora. Um, it helps to produce things like short-chain fatty acids that reduces, you know, inflammation in the body and various other things. It prevents things like leaky gut. Um, which, as we spoke about, is really, um, you know, common in things like constipation and can lead to infection, um, sorry, inflammation and, and toxicity in the body, as we spoke about before. So definitely ensuring that we're getting enough fibre because it, you know, adds roughage to our stool. It allows for an easier um, uh, elimination 
of store from the body, but it gives the intestine something to work against. It gives it um, that bowel muscular something to work against and it allows the, the stool to pass through. Now, if you're not getting enough fiber, what happens is that the, the stool just remains in the colon a little bit longer. It absorbs more water. It becomes compact and hard and just harder to eliminate from the body. Mm. Um, so fiber's one. It's an obvious one. Then obviously things like um, prebiotics and probiotics, so natural prebiotics in the way, again, they're fertilizer for your gut flora. They stimulate the growth of good bacteria. Um, good examples of prebiotics are things like asparagus, artichokes, you know, I like to use um, organic green banana flour. Really, really simple. You can use, you know, a teaspoon of that in your smoothies um, or foods. Things like um, probiotics, natural probiotics are also, I mean, these have been hammered home, haven't they, this yeah. year? Or, you know, for many, many years. So I won't go into them too much, but your fermented vegetables, kimchi, even apple cider vinegar is a good source of probiotic. What I will say about probiotics, and you've, um, probably notice this yourself in practice is that I tend to tell people to crowd in slowly with with um, probiotics because if they go hard with say you know a tablespoon or so of kimchi it may really cause a bit of gas and a bit of gut disruption and all that sort of stuff and so crowding really slowly a little bit goes a long way with those things. Um, water's huge, obviously dehydrated a dehydrated stool. Does not do someone favors. It again, it makes stools harder to pass. Um, just making sure as well. I like to tell people room temperature water or warm water. Just you know, it helps to um, the body when you think about it. You know, cold tends to seize and constrict, whereas warmth just loosens and unblocks. You know, um, I also say you know avoid excessive protein as well. So. This is a bit of an interesting one, and and I tend to, to say to people it's important to get you know a palm portion of protein per meal, so your three meals a day, palm portion of protein. Um, we tend to often overeat protein, and particularly if you've got sluggish bowel movements, it tends to sit in the gut and um, putrefy more readily than say something like vegetables, and that can really burden the liver and compromise, you know, um, our detoxification processes. So it puts a high demand on the liver, but it also overtaxes the stomach. So our stomach may not have enough hydrochloric acid to break down our foods. And so, you know, just think of excessive protein just leads to, you know, excessive rotting in the gut, putrefication. Things like simple things like herbs and spices I love using to support digestion, you know, and as you know, I've got the, hopefully you got the better me tea. But oh, I said, yes, I did. Thank you. I must brew some today. Yeah, I absolutely love it. But again, it's got um, organic herbs and spices in there. So things like licorice and aniseed and um, also cane pepper and other things you can use, black pepper, rosemary, coriander, cumin, all those things that support digestion some are quite stimulating as well like cayenne so they really help with that peristaltic action um, and some are quite antibacterial as well some herbs and spices so they're going to help with you know um, reducing some of that toxicity that that you can get in the gut when you're recycling waste and toxins and again healthy fats massive fan of, of healthy fats um, they do many things in the body you know they, they help to lubricate the colon um, as you know our intestinal cells are made up of fat so they need fat in order to do their job properly but on another level as we talk about the gut brain access healthy fats particularly things like your omega-3s are essential for healthy mood 
um, you know, they support brain function. Um, it's, it's just EPA is also anti-inflammatory as well. And, and there's this direct link. Inflammation is one driver of things like depression and anxiety and that sort of stuff. So it's got that two-pronged approach of really supporting gut function, but also amazing for supporting, you know, mood. And as we spoke about, you know, if, if someone's anxious or depressed or holding on to stuff, um, it's going to affect their digestion. So healthy fats, I think, is is important when you are um, experiencing sluggish bowels and constipation. And another simple one, I'm a massive fan of apple cider vinegar. I think um, it's it's just fantastic for really improving our stomach acid so it allows us to break down foods well. Um, it promotes better elimination of waste. It neutralises that sort of, helps to neutralise that, sort of, that, that acid that we might be getting from the, you know, the toxins that we're recycling as well. So it leads to less sort of putrefaction. Um, yeah, so that, those are the main ones, dietary-wise. Um, supplements, do we want to go into that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think obviously we always start with real food and I'm sure you're oh, the same. Totally. Um, but a lot of those things are what hopefully our listeners are very well across. So sometimes there is that need for a little bit more. So, yeah, what, what do you recommend from a supplement point of view? Yeah, look, and I, I'm a big advocate of keeping it to real food, to be honest. I think that's more sustainable. And it really, for me, I kind of sometimes, and you probably notice it being in Melbourne, and I just recently moved up to northern New South Wales from Sydney. And um, in Sydney, it's and just people in general, we want a quick fix and we want it to happen now. But when it comes to health, sometimes it's a bit of a journey and it's a journey of highs and lows. And, and I think when it comes to supplementation, um, sometimes it's just an excuse to not look at what's driving it and, you know, what's going on with the diet, what's going on with the emotional stuff, you know, what's going on with your lifestyle, are you moving your body? Um, so I like to keep supplements to a, to a minimum. But when it comes to bowel movements, I think supportive-wise, magnesium is, is essential. And in particular, I like to use um, magnesium bisglycinate because um, studies show it's just a well-absorbed, more bioavailable form of magnesium. Mm-hmm. Um, and magnesium is just a, it's a muscle relaxant. Again, it's that two-pronged approach. Mm-hmm. It's a muscle relaxant relaxing but it also supports and calms the nervous system so it supports things like reducing anxiety stress and you know improving bowel habits bowel movements but um also uh, look i just came back from a, a long weekend of really focusing on mental health there was a big congress um that uh, metagenics put on and we spoke a lot about mental health and, and they spoke a lot about magnesium deficiency and how that can contribute to, to um, a decrease in serotonin levels. And as we spoke about before, serotonin really helps with bowel movements, but also again, supports the mood and um, deficiencies also lead to inflammation um, in the body. So obviously you can get magnesium in a food for in food, so nuts and seeds and you know, dried like seaweeds and those sorts of things, and tahini and chicken and, and um, turkey and you know, spinach are some good examples. But sometimes, if someone's particularly stressed and they're really, really banked up, magnesium is really useful in those instances. It's a bit of a core product in my cupboard, I have to say. I'm on and off magnesium throughout the year. 
Um, fish oil, as I spoke about before, can be really, really useful. Um, again, it supports the mood, supports that gut-brain access, lubricates that colon that we spoke about, and it really helps with the protecting the gut lining and integrity. And um, I would probably check someone's iron levels. Now, this is a bit of an interesting one because anemia, if someone's low in iron and um, they might be experiencing a bit of constipation because of that could be one of the contributing factors. So I would check what their iron levels are like. Do you need to, you know, um, get onto a good quality iron that doesn't cause constipation, of course? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, again, iron bisalicinate is a good example of that because it is well absorbed and doesn't cause um, constipation. The only other one I'd probably look at would be uh, be looking at things like probiotics because they do um, support that gut-brain axis, they support mood, um, they really support the good microbial balance in the gut. Um, yeah. Yeah, so hopefully this goes without saying, but it's really important to ensure quality. Fish oil, as you know, is it's an omega-3, so the stability of that oil is affected by heat. So just purchasing a 200 tablets for nine ninety five from the supermarket shelf is not the way to go. Unfortunately, those oils are often denatured, which means they become omega-6 in nature and it will do the opposite to what you're trying to achieve. Exactly. And I often say to people, if you don't invest in a really good quality fish oil that doesn't have those heavy metals and those inflammatory toxins, mm. then then you're, I'd rather you not be on one. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just not worth it. It is really counterproductive to what we're trying to achieve. If you're giving someone those those cheap and nasty ones that are in the bin that are probably often sitting in the sun outside for $12, as you said, mm. um, just so inflammatory to the body. So get onto the good quality one. It is worth the investment and you often need to take less. So whilst you're paying more, you're probably taking a teaspoon versus nine capsules or you're taking four capsules versus nine capsules. And so... Um, long term, it's a better investment for your body and also, you know, for your, for your back pocket. Yeah, it's definitely not a matter of more is more. I mean, there are studies coming out now showing that fish oil in excess can contribute to leaky gut. So it's always that bell curve where we don't have to go crazy. It's the same conversation with probiotics, as you mentioned, and as we've said many times, you don't need to throw everything at it. You start quite gradually and assess your symptoms from there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And again, it is more sustainable. Dietary stuff, the movement stuff is so sustainable. The breathwork stuff, you know, you've got to look at those things. And and I get quite excited about people, you know, changing their lives through just making those little simple changes in behavior and food and better choices rather than, okay, I'm just going to take these supplements and hope for the best. And then if I don't, you know, don't even do the work behind that, yeah, absolutely. It's like looking for that um, magic pill. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very cool. All right, let's dive into routine. So how is re- our routine important and what should we do to help our bowels? There's many things. <laughs> I mean, routine I think is important in the morning because people are, tend to, to run out the door straight to work you know, maybe they're picking up a muffin and a, a coffee along the way. Mm. I think it's important to have the, the routine in. I like to set my morning up by getting up in the morning, possibly doing a, you know, 10-minute breathwork exercise, so whether that's alternate nostril breathing or I've just gotten into doing a bit of breath of fire, a bit of kundalini breath of fire. 
and I find that that really helps. Mm-hmm. Um, then I might move into yoga or some form of exercise. I think exercise is really important for bowel function, in particular um, core exercise, so abdominal work as well as back work because that really supports the um, intestines. It keeps it in its place but it also provides structure and, and good bowel tone so for the intestines to work against. So it's important that we do um, incorporate exercise. Yoga is great in the sense of, you know, you're opening up the body, especially I love yin, as I keep mentioning, because you can be sitting in a posture for five minutes and really working on those organs, you know, improving large intestine work, lungs or spleen or whatever, organs of digestion. One thing I will say about yin yoga is that, um, you know, I've struggled with sitting in a, say, one-hour meditation for many years and, you know, I'm that kind of person that just needs to have my meditation either functional or short. And so for yin, with yin yoga I find, um, and I'm not alone in this, and I find with yin yoga you can sit in a posture for five minutes, which is quite hard for some people, I have to say. I often found when I would teach it that people would get quite fidgety to begin with, that check their time, all the rest of it. Um, but then you'd hit this point where you just, it, it's, you know, you focus and you breathe, you focus on the breath, which stills the mind. And it's almost like a meditation, but you're a bit more functional. So that works for some people sitting in postures for a particular five minutes. You're getting a stretch, you're opening up, you're supporting the organs, the bones, the fascia. Um, so those, so I'm totally getting off tangent. We're talking about routine. So movement, definitely breath work. I think, you know, taking a tiny bit of time or a little bit of time of just, you know, eating well in the in the morning. So making sure that you're having a well-rounded breakfast, you know, quality protein, you're having some fibrous um, fruit or vegetables and, you know, you're having some healthy fats but you're not doing it as you're running out the door. So, you know, I like to, to have my smoothie or whatever I'm eating and I often will, you know, have, have that as I – work out what I'm going to be doing for the day. So whether it's, you know, writing down what I need to do for the day or whatnot and making sure I try to chew properly, which doesn't always happen, um, and just allowing myself, say, 10 minutes afterwards just to, to get ready to go to the bathroom just just to so I'm not running out the door. And often I'm standing as well, so using a standing desk throughout the day is really important, I find, for me, but I don't tend to use a standing desk the entire day. I tend to use movement. So I sit and I stand and I just move the body throughout the day. I found when I started to use a standing desk, I'd get really lazy and I'd, um, you know, lean on one side and, you know, just threw everything out of my body. So I found it was better just to move the body throughout the day. I think that's important routine-wise. Um, not being sedentary, not sitting down, it just really compresses um, your digestive organs. And, you know, it's, again, it's not great for digestion in general. Um, yeah, that's and, and just making sure you're getting enough water, of course, mm. and just really looking at what you're eating, going back to just having real, well rounded, real foods. Yeah, it's huge, like relatively simple strategies, but we forget, you know, the busy world that we live in, and we're all a little bit guilty of inhaling our food or, as you said, rushing out the door. And it's just important to take stock and recognize how important these simple strategies really are. Absolutely. There is no magic pill after all. 
No, definitely not. What I did, did forget to mention, that apple cider vinegar, first thing in the morning, whether it's apple cider vinegar, well, I prefer apple cider vinegar, um, first thing in the morning in warm water really just helps to set you up with good digestion throughout the day and, you know, so that's another thing you can add to your morning routine. But, you know, if you are running out the door, making sure you're having a good quality um, a smoothie, for example, if, if, you, if you can't get out of the fact that your morning's really busy, making sure that you prepare well and have a decent breakfast so you are adding those healthy fats that you know quality protein and i like to use the 180 nutrition as you've probably seen because that does contain healthy fats and some you know fibrous nuts and things like that in there and you can add your berries or you know your avocado coconut cream a good source of healthy fats um, just to get the bowels moving yeah, beautiful. I've seen some of your recipes online, so look very good. Check it out. Yeah. Um, so lastly, I just wanted to talk about uh, laxatives, actually. I know you're quite passionate about this topic. Um, I don't know that everyone realises how bad they can be. So take us through your thoughts on that. Uh, laxatives, yeah. it's Look, people self prescribe it's huge they say that you know around 700 million is spent on every year on laxatives and other things to support um bowel movements what they can actually do to the body so basically laxatives can lead to things like dependency and what that means is that you're going to need to take more in order to get the desired effect and which is dangerous so your more pills are needed to do the job over time. Yeah. But it also can cause things like electrolyte balance in the body, which what means what that means for people is that that can really affect the, the, our, the health of our heart and it can also affect colon health mm. and can lead to things like severe dehydration as well, um, which can lead to tremors and, again, affect the heart and lead to weakness in the body. But on a more serious note, it can lead to, you know, damage to the kidneys and liver long-term and also lazy bowels. So, you know, really we don't want to be encouraging the use of laxatives. Again, this is why I want to make something like constipation such a light topic because people don't realise that they're really not alone. It's a huge problem. Like it's huge. And, um, you know, the drivers for constipation is so diverse. So, I think, you know, people just need to, to really understand or, and get someone possibly to help them understand what could be possibly driving their constipation and what they could simply, simply implement in order to just change this. And now it's probably not going to change overnight. They probably do need to do, obviously, put the work in, look at what's going on in, in the diet, look at, at what's going on with their medications. Are they taking something that's causing the constipation? Is there a bacteria present? You know, are they pregnant? It's another huge one as well. People tend to um, be constipated um, during pregnancy. Um, and, again, as I spoke about before, are they deficient in iron? There's so many, so many contributing factors to constipation. I think people really do need to understand uh, what could possibly be driving it, do the detective work, and then just you know, really make it simple for themselves, start implementing change and taking those small steps to, to reverse it and know that there, that there is a way, there are some tools that they could use. you just got to really become aware of your body and start. Um, and you've probably noticed this as well, Steph, like people, um, they don't really look 
that they often don't even know how often they're going and they don't really look at what comes out and they're, you know, so they have no idea. They're really not aware of their body. So I really just try to educate people on um, themselves, basically, get, get them in tune with themselves and any changes and, and you know, um, how they could, what sort of drives um, their health issues and, and what they could easily implement, you know, what, what are their triggers, you know. It's different for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. I think that awareness is huge because a lot of the strategies are quite simple to implement. So it's just about obviously understanding where your baseline is, using the poop pageant if you need some further explanation, but then starting to look at those small changes which are largely food and lifestyle to really help things return to an optimal state. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. All right, Linda, I'll direct our listeners to your online home so they can find out more about you. So share with us first any upcoming projects or anything exciting that you've got for us and then how we can find you. Great. So um, my social media, so on all sort of platforms, you know, your Snapchats, your Instagram, Facebook, just Linda Griprich, so nice and easy. Well, my last name's not that easy. Uh, website as well, just lindagriprich.com. Up and coming projects, so um, I'm still I'm getting my Better Me tea out there. That's getting a bit of legs and people are really enjoying that. Um, had great feedback from someone that, which was which was fantastic, I have to say. She'd been she was twenty five years old. This was just recently, twenty five years old, had been experiencing constipation for a long time, but also acne um, and skin conditions because of it, and bad breath. And uh, she wrote me this email, which just honestly nearly made me cry, mm. um, saying that she'd been using it for three weeks, and um, she's her bowels has become a bit more regular. Her bad breath has cleared and her skin has improved dramatically and it's the only thing she'd changed. So that's quite exciting for me. Um, so hoping to get better me out there a little bit more to the masses and also hoping, I don't know if you've heard of Chef Shine, Danielle Shine? Uh, I haven't, but I did see your post. Yeah, she's look, she's an amazing whole food chef and um, we are collaborating to hopefully get some ebooks together, hopefully in a physical book form soon as well. Just some good bow care, um, beautiful recipes that, um, yeah, hopefully will be available by the end of the year. And that's it for me, really, at the moment. Awesome. I like that you put your deadline out there, which obviously yeah. is a little bit of extra <laughs> to keep cross. Tension is there. The pressure. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Linda, thanks so much for your time today. It's been great to have you on the show and I look forward to speaking yeah. to you again soon. Beautiful. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.